All right, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here, Wednesday morning. I'm joined with Steve Parizzi, President and CEO, IBC Global. Steve, how are you today? Mike, I am fantastic. How about yourself? Good, man. Always good. Um, we've been having a, a kind of an ongoing discussion here, and I want to talk to Steve about some different philosophies with regards to whole life case design, policy design. Uh, you know, Steve, in the past, my preferred method was always the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, I'm easily confused. I know that clients are easily confused. Our business is not what they do every day. So when you come to year-to-year -year review, sometimes they forget what the goals were, what the objectives were, why do we do this? I always like the plain base vanilla kind of design. Um, as I started working with some other people and really dug into specifically with me, Mass Mutual, and how their products work, I found some ways to really, really maximize design. Um, and I know that you do as well. So without taking on risk and complicating things, how do you typically design your policies for your clients and why? Gotcha. Good question. And a lot of ways, a lot of areas you could start there. So, yeah, you know, with policy design, to answer your question, the simple answer with everyone we work with, I want to maximize the cash value and flexibility of that product from the get go. Because <clears throat> with a life insurance policy, a lot of people are attracted to the idea, one of the death benefit, but accumulating cash value in a safe, liquid tax-free area to position money. You've got that unique loan feature where your money constantly compounds from you for you. There's a lot of attractive features there. But then you've got the drawback where people look at whole life and say, ah, it's not for me, is typically when they see zero cash value in the beginning. 10 years plus just to break even. That's a turnoff point. Um, uh, other turnoff points exist, but that's typically the, the big objection. That's one I had when I was a, call it a consumer, when I was looking at the product. So my thing is, how do we design the policy first properly so they see that cash value there, make it flexible so they're not committed to a big premium bill, right? Mike, if you said, hey, if I said, hey, you've got this account here that will produce, call it between three to 5%, no risk, not tied to the stock market, and it's tax-free, how much would you want the ability to pay into that policy? Sounds great. Sign <laughs> me up. Right. So if it's $100,000, if things go well, hey, I'm going to plop hundred grand per year into the policy, that's great. But if things go south, if your year is not as productive this year as it was last year, for example, you said, hey, I don't have the $100,000. I don't want to commit someone to a huge premium bill. So when we design the policy, we'll set it up in a manner where we really minimize that base premium, which does minimize the expenses, optimizes their cash value right off the bat, and makes it very flexible so they're, not, they're committed to that base premium at the end of the day, not the PUA component, which drives cash value. That's very flexible. You can bounce up and down over time. So maximize cash value, maximize flexibility. That is how we will set it up for consumers. Um, and then the education piece is a bit more in depth. Um, one, for us uh, as the agent on the back end, 
There's a lot we'll dig into as far as the insurance company limitations and the MEC limitations long term. I want to make sure that doesn't trip the, the MEC limit at all. Um, but that's not something you always have to go through with the client. If they want to, we can. But most of them say, hey, just maximize the cash and make sure it's set up where I can use it. So <laughs> we'll do a lot. Why more. is that design? You and I have heard detractors talk about that design as bearing risk or um, riskier than an all-base design. What is it, you know, where does that comment come from? What is that? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. So the main thing it has to do with is the MEC limit long-term. So with the MEC test, you've got your initial seven-pay premium test, which whatever your MEC limit is for the first seven years, that's it. You can pay up to that number. It is cumulative. So... If you have got a hundred, if you have a hundred thousand dollar MEC limit, and you pay in fifty thousand dollars this year, you could have paid in another fifty, but you didn't. So that actually rolls over to the next year and continues to do that. So you've got unused MEC space, kind of like those old cell phone planes with the rollover minutes. Remember those commercials? Yeah, yeah, works like that. So you've got, and if you blow the as a as a as a as a policy owner, if you blow that MEC limit what that means for anybody out there who's listening who doesn't know and correct me if i'm wrong steve is that you know your death benefit will still be tax-free but as you access policy cash values you've kind of blown some of your tax advantages yeah i mean the policy functions similar to a qualified plan not not 100 percent like one but the cash value grows tax deferred and if I access it in respect to my gains, not my cost basis, but my gains, I've got to pay ordinary income tax and a 10% penalty tax if I'm under the age of 59 and a half. So it- On the gains correct. as they're coming out. Yeah, correct. So it, it does ruin a lot of the benefits and that's a withdraw or loan. So a lot of times we think, hey, can I just borrow it and get, get around that? Um, the answer is no. So to kind of get- back You're always, you know, you're always kind of keenly, and I mean, this is, you know, this is common in our yeah. business. We're keenly aware of that when we're designing a policy. And, you know, like when I run an illustration just for consumers out there, if a policy's a mech, it's, you know, red flashing lights are going off. And it's, correct. you know, it's not something that, that you could be unaware of. C correct, correct. And what happens, because the first seven years, you've got that seven pay premium test, but the mech test continues beyond that. So if you have a policy and you're funding up to that MEC limit for a long period of time, there is a risk that you could trigger a, a modified endowment contract that policy can MEC out. And the thing is, the so most insurance company software will tell you that, but they tell you that based off of their current dividend assumption. I'll, I'll blend in a story here, which kind of illustrates this perfectly because it it highlights the risk of what can happen long-term to answer your question around the MEC, but then it also shows exactly how to eliminate it so you can actually see your money in a cash value product and not have to go with the high base premium. Um, so this was probably like five years ago. Someone had reached out to, to our office. He had purchased a policy over 10 years ago from someone else, and he was max funding it up to the MEC limit. Um, and when he bought that policy, Based off his payments, he was told you would not mech. Ten years in, he's got an in-force illustration saying, if you continue on the same path, 
you will trigger a MEC in policy year 18. So his question is, okay, I did everything exactly as planned when I bought this and I wasn't mecking then and I am mecking now. Like I'm, if I'm going to have to change my course, what's going on here? And a lot of agents look at that and say, like, I don't know, did the software just change? <laughs> so the reason why it is going to mech in year 18 now, unless he adjusts his course, is when he purchased that policy 10 years ago, dividends were, I call it, 7 or 8% with that company. That means, based off of that illustration, your cash value is growing, but your death benefit's appreciating as well. That death benefit, especially after the seventh year, has a direct relationship to your MEC limit. Has to do with the cash benefit as compared to premiums paid. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. The MEC test has to do with your cash value death benefit. They look at everything growing together. But really, I mean, as I break it down, it's that death benefit appreciating over time. So what happened, dividends came down with that policy. The actual performance delivered well under what that original projection produced. So as time passed, he said, okay, I'm going to have a $2 million death benefit in year 18. Now I'm only going to have a $1.7 million death benefit because it's not high enough to keep up with that MEC test over time. That's where he would trigger a MEC. So his solution now is at year 18 or prior, he'll have to reduce his payments a little bit. That, that's what's going to happen. <clears throat> yeah, if that made sense. I know that's a technical topic. Um, it is but- a technical topic, but the you know kind of the moral of that story is, um, you know, there's two ways that as a client, you could find yourself in a modified endowment contract. And the one way is right up front at policy issue. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you would be aware of from the get-go. You're going to have to sign off on paperwork confirming that the policy is a MEC. You'll know that it's a MEC. And then the effect of that is you're not going to have as efficient access to your cash value from a tax perspective. The other way that you can mech is in the future, based on a change in policy performance, such as a decrease in dividend, while you're still funding the policy at the same rate, but you will be notified, assuming that you're working with somebody like Steve or like myself or you know any good qualified advisor who is talking to you every year, running in force proposals and showing you what's happened with the policy. And maybe you do have to change course at that time. But if you're working with someone who knows the space, knows policy design, understands how these contracts work inside and out, you will be able to pivot and still accomplish your goals at, you know, as you kind of laid them out from the get-go. Spot on. That's the thing. So, I mean, when that comes up, I mean, the conversation of, oh, if you go with a, a minimum premium to optimize your cash value, you could run into a mech down, down the road. The answer is yes, you could. However, you can also take two or three extra steps to make sure that doesn't happen from the beginning. <laughs> and really to do that, we go through how to do this in our training platform. It's, it's kind of a lengthy process, um, but I'll do it with just about everyone we work with because it's important is 
stress test that policy to say, okay, the illustration says it won't mech. That's what most people see. But what does that illustration state regarding the mech, the mech laws and the mech year, if I cut the dividend in half, if I just look at the guarantees, do I run a risk with a slower appreciating death benefit of a mech occurring down, down the road? If the, if the answer is yes, then I'm going to tweak that design from the get-go to make sure we don't run into an issue. Now, all of a sudden, that client's good. Unless they adjust their funding, then you've got to do it again, pivot and adjust. And that's where you keep the relationship, like you said. Um, but you can prevent it up front. It's just taking extra steps, you know, instead of just saying, no, you can't do that. You know, let me just do it this way because it's it's easy. I'm like, okay, I get that. Keeping th things simple is good. But at the same time, if it's my money going into a product, I want it maximized so I can use it for opportunities that pop up today. So show me how to do that. And then you, Mr. Agent, make sure it's set up so I don't run into issues down the road. I'm like, all right, we'll do it. Here's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like the flexibility, Steve. I mean, I know from, from working with you, um, uh, that, that's that's where uh, one of the areas where you and I are, are kind of kindred spirits, because I always try to look at these things as a consumer. And if I was on the other side of the table, what would I want? Everybody's got different goals and objectives. Everybody's got different ideas as to what they want. But certain things, um, I think, are, you know, kind of inherent to everybody. And flexibility for the future while maximizing uh, performance, you know, that can kind of apply to anything as far yeah. as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. any, any product or, or any kind of plan, um, financial plan or insurance plan or otherwise, I want to have flexibility because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen down the road. You don't know what's coming down the pike. And if I am, you know, maximizing performance, but also maximizing flexibility from the get go, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, a hundred percent with you. And regardless of the situation, I mean, it's we'll educate someone that's putting in five thousand per year. Say, okay, what companies you know are we looking at and such? They've got a five hundred dollar minimum premium. They can add up to five k, but they're not committed to it. Versus a, a person putting in a million per year, exact same thing. And you show options. I mean, a lot of times people ask, hey, can I see a higher base premium or show me some different samples? Uh, because I heard potentially it can give me more long-term. No problem. I, I mean, I view it go, going back to business philosophy like Amazon. Show everything. This way people get the information and can select the option they want. It creates more work for us. But I mean, like it's our job. So I'm like, why wouldn't we do it? Just hire more people to help train them properly and you can move at the proper pace. Absolutely. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Well, listen, anybody who's listening out there, if you are a financial advisor, and you're looking for someone to partner with to help grow sales, uh, firsthand experience, uh, Steve Parisi is your guy. If you're looking for help specifically with regards to mass mutual product offerings, whether it's life, disability, long-term care, fixed annuities, uh, you know, self-plug, Mike Courtney, I'm your guy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, feel free to reach out to either one of us at any time if you want to further these discussions. Steve, love talking to you about this stuff. And, uh, you know, I'll be talking to you later today, continuing this conversation. Yeah, yeah, likewise. And, and all I'll say is, too, for anyone, I mean, reaching out to you, my complex cases and having to deal with underwriting and, you know, maybe it's a complex tax case with estate planning. I mean, you know your stuff there. So, I mean, that's a huge, huge asset uh, if you've got a case like that. Yeah, keep it up, man. <laughs> all right. Cheers. Uh, 
All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.